Season 1, Episode 9 of Gupshop Pod. I'm your host, Tejas, and you can follow me at My Life Isn't TV. Today, I talked to one of my friends that I've known for a very long time, Rina. You can follow at Rina Madhani. We talk about the beginnings and background of Start Lighthouse, and we really explore how they, as a nonprofit, are dedicated towards addressing childhood illiteracy through an intergenerational approach. It's a really good episode, and I hope you enjoy. Hi. Hi. I am in the process of moving this week. So the computer that I use in the living or in the dining room, mm-hmm. that's like been unplugged. And that's where I do a lot of the editing for the podcast. So are you going right. to go back to that? Pl- like, are you still um, going to have that place or what's the plan? We're, we're going to rent it out. Uh, mm. There's a renter who wanted it on the 15th. So we kind of were like, okay, let's get everything going. Okay. So, so are they yeah. going to rent it out on a monthly basis? They're renting it out for a full year. So what? we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And it might even be two, uh, depending on depending on when the, that guy's house gets So is built. it a family that's moving in? No, it's just a guy. Like, he, um, he wants to have a place for his kids to come over when they come visit him. Mm-hmm. And they, they live nearby. So it's like a nice family home. For whatever they come to visit there's a guy who came to visit uh dj diddy the soundcloud rapper essentially mm-hmm. and uh, it, i i was like yeah he's definitely going to use this house to like party and yeah. then the the real estate agent was like, yeah, he wants to pay above market so that way then he doesn't have to uh, uh spend money to rent houses for his uh instagram and tiktok shoots I was like, yep, so sounds, funny. sounds really on the nose there that's hilarious. <laughs> so you're seeing me right in the middle of like a shift. And when yeah, we talk that's about so that. wild. I mean, a good shift. It sounds like an exciting move. I mean it's exciting, it's nervous. I think there's like a there's like a reprioritization, right? There's like yeah. things as we come into conflict and we're seeing this like especially the way when we, when you first started talking to me about it, this what's happened has really been like the perfect conduit to build these things that are helping to solve problems that we see very, very openly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I honestly think if it wasn't for the pandemic, this idea, Start Lighthouse, would still just be in my head. It would still be yeah. just on Google Doc. It would still just be in the journal that I had when we first met. I think mm-hmm. that's, I honestly think that's where it would have been if the mm-hmm. pandemic didn't happen. Do you still have that journal with you? Like since you've been moving apartments and stuff like that, or did you leave it back? Uh, so I actually hold on to every journal that I have and I have a lot. <laughs> so you can see where I was like ideating in terms of like, this is what I want to start. Like this is the research that I want to collect. Yeah. I saw that again. I think I came across it when I was home in December mm-hmm. and I was looking at it. It was just, Again, just reflecting on the year, everything that we've gone through, but then also just yeah. what we've been able to grow um, in a short amount of time was just so remarkable. And could you tell the listeners what Start Lighthouse is? So Start Lighthouse is a literacy nonprofit organization that was born during the height of the pandemic in response to widespread school and library closures, and we seek to address childhood literacy through an intergenerational approach. And we do this through customized literacy kits, 
uh, inclusive learning spaces and schools, as well as providing resources and tools to their family members and caregivers. One of the things that you brought up was how there has been the like the the pandemic really showed a big difference between those who have and those who do not have. So you're right, it really helped provide a catalyst, especially in this space with students not being at home. I mean, that's like incredibly rare. Yeah, I think... and I mean, I just think back to the conversation that you and I both had with the principal mm -hmm. at PS5 Port Morris. And the first thing that she told us was that she was emptying out her classrooms just to pull together resources for her students. Yeah, that's true. And that more than more than half her students were homeless. So they were living in temporary housing or yes. shelters. And that being said, because they were in these living situations, they didn't have access to adequate Wi-Fi. So remote learning really wasn't an option for them. Yeah. Yeah. And even the state of Internet and Internet connectivity. And even in the UK, they're talking about, you know, free broadband for all and even then people have criticisms of that as if like you can't live in the modern world without and like you use it for everything would you say that that was the best part of the last 12 months for you or what is the best thing that's happened to you in the last 12 months yeah i think it would definitely be start lighthouse because prior to the pandemic i was in this weird limbo i was trying to figure out where i was going to be working next yeah. and i just felt like i had dealt with a lot of things that just exacerbated my anxiety mm -hmm. and just didn't feel fully confident in myself and my abilities and starting this organization reminded me that i am capable of doing mm -hmm. this work and there's a reason why I stepped into a classroom for the first time a few years ago yeah. and I, I think I needed that reminder because before I had started I felt really broken mm. do you do you think that like everyone is on this earth for a purpose whether that purpose is in your kit you do right I know yeah, that's absolutely, why I yeah. absolutely believe that I think that <laughs> we're problem. destined yeah. to do something we can be good at multiple things Sure. But I do think there's one thing that mm -hmm. you should really focus on. You can have many hobbies, but sure. a lot of those hobbies don't often translate into something that you could ultimately do lifelong. And for me, mm -hmm. this is just more than just a passion project. This is something that I'd love to be able to do long term. Yeah, no, that I and I completely agree with that. Do you do you then also think that like pe the way that people meet each other, like you're you're meant to meet someone like you're meant to meet the people that you meet you're meant to be around the people that you're around yeah I feel so everyone comes into your life for a reason and everyone leaves for a reason too and there's some people that are there for specific periods of time but yeah. that doesn't mean that they need to be there for the overall movie right yeah. and I've just been lucky to be able to meet incredible people along my journey that have played an influential role and just helping mm -hmm. me become the person I am. And that's kind of just the people that I sought out when I was starting to create this organization and who I wanted to yeah. bring on because I wanted to be, to be with people that I really trusted. Yeah, it's it's very different, right? Especially now with like looking around and what's happening, it that trust factor has been almost eroded. So it's very nice when you have those people around you that you can trust, not only with just like to 
for tasks and stuff, but also when it comes to helping yourself navigate your emotions and your feelings and your thought processes, right? Yeah, and I would say that I honestly don't think this organization would exist if it wasn't for you. Like, yes, this idea was in my head. Brittany was there too. But that being said, you really helped me regain my confidence. And you you believed in me and you believed in the work. And I, I tell you this all the time, but I just don't think this would exist without you. <laughs> you were so core to everything that we did, especially early on when we were putting together that foundation for the organization. You were there when we did our first distribution just all those pivotal moments um it's just it wouldn't exist without you well that's the best part of like not only in any startup and i know that uh working with a incubator with an accelerator a bronx based mm -hmm. accelerator um but yeah no that's i i love working i love working at the like ground set of an idea to take an idea and make it into something that is like oh, okay this is you know and of course, there's obviously going to be things that you don't think about, like even with Chapati Man, right? Like there were things I didn't think about that would ever end up being a problem. It's like who thinks about like propane tanks freezing, right? Like I didn't. I mean, never that would not have crossed my brain <laughs> until you mentioned that just now. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. But like, I, I think I really like working with that, not only because you get the chance to work with people and like, you know, that you like working with, working with people at a very personal level, but also you like, you get to see it grow. And so whenever Brittany sends the newsletter out, and stuff like that like whenever i read through the updates it's really exciting to see where it's where it's growing you can see the path clearly laid out mm -hmm. right that's that's something that's very exciting as well yeah and i and don't know if i saw that path when we started i just felt mm -hmm. as though there was a need in the community there was a pandemic mm -hmm. we didn't know what was happening exactly and we just had to get started yeah it exactly. was just that it was just as simple as that and then it grew into Wait, we also want to have our own racial justice literacy program. Mm -hmm. Let's reimagine how we approach literacy in classrooms. Let's think about yeah. how we can equip the family members and caregivers. And what does that look like in a virtual capacity? Mm -hmm. 100%. Yes, but, and especially given the context of George Floyd's murder and the subsequent like com conversation that was trying to be had and people weren't listening. But you you realize early on the only way that we can change these kind of destructive behavior that a significant portion of the population in this country, you know, tend to have. I don't believe that like children, kids are born inherently with bias. They are learned. No right? one's born racist. It's yeah, as simple exactly. as that. You can learn these behaviors through the people in your life. You observe what they're doing how they respond to other people and that's mm -hmm. ultimately what you come to internalize yeah exactly you know what i love rena i remember when my sister first started her organic juice business and it was the only thing that she would talk about when we were talking and with you when we talk like not just because it's something that it's because it's something that you're inherently passionate about and it's evident, right? Like mm -hmm. whenever we are talking about other people and they always ask because they know how important it is to you. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, I don't know how I can help, but I will try like mm -hmm. whatever skill that I may have. And so that's the thing, like how, how can people get involved? Like how can they be like, how can they reach out to you? How is that? something if they have a skill set that you don't know about or something that you didn't know there was a need for and then suddenly there is 
I mean, just reach out, right? That's something that I've yeah. been doing since we started and just send an email, send me a note, reach out to me on Instagram, slide into my DMs. If yeah. you have an idea, you see a need, we're always looking for people to join us because this wouldn't be possible without our team, right? And we've been able to work with some incredible individuals, but we're always looking for more people to join us because we have big goals. We know that the literacy crisis, it's a national crisis. It's starting in the Bronx, but we're only going to get bigger from here. That's right. Do you remember that email that you sent out, that cold email? And I remember we were talking about it. Do you want to share this story? Or I guess... I'm trying to I'm trying to get in your brain and think about which email that was because we sent yeah. a lot of emails. Yeah, very good point. The There was something that Rena had realized uh, for the listener. There's something Rena had realized which was that people are incredibly bored, which at the time was true. People are incredibly bored. And so why not just send out a cold email, just like subject, you know, that piques interest, something like a, a short couple of sentences about the organization or about the idea. And like, you know, this is what you this is what we want to talk about whenever you have available time. And the amount of response that came in, because I was CC'd in like more than a handful of these emails. The response <laughs> Whether that came or not in, you wanted to be, I don't know, <laughs> but you were no, either front and center. No, because, because also this was an idea that that's the best way to get started, just like continually reach out. And someone's going to yeah. respond. And even if they don't have the specific skill set right away, they will introduce you to someone else that does. And then it keeps on going on and on and on. Um, yeah, I love that. I was like, that is the best way to engage. And so then, especially now, like while recruiting and looking for full-time salaried benefit mm-hmm. positions to like kind of supplement all the other work that I do, I'm like, that's probably the best way to keep doing this, just like reaching out. And yeah. I, I stand by this model. I think it's the best one. I mean, I think for us, the turning point as an organization came mm-hmm. when I sent that cold email to Kobe Yamada. Yeah who is one of my favorite children's book authors. Mm -hmm. And he didn't open that email until about two and a half weeks. So I didn't anticipate getting a response, but he was very receptive. We set up a call. And during that call, he asked me what our goal was. And I told him, Mm -hmm. well, right now we've collected 374 brand new books for our students. We have a goal of 500. And he goes, okay, but then what's next? And I said, well, I mean, once we hit 500, we're just going to keep going from there. And Mm -hmm. I remember after the call ended, I got an email from him and he said that him and his team had decided to donate 500 brand new copies of his book and they were going to overwrite the shipping and send Mm -hmm. it to us. And in that moment, we had already met our goal just through that cold email, just through that phone call. And just because he really believed in what we were doing. And that that 17 day period, that two and a half week period, it made me think, I remember once I was sharing my screen with you and you saw something like 2000 unread emails and you're like, what even is this? Yeah, <laughs> so I got anxiety over that. What is, what is the maximum number of emails that you have in your inbox before you're like, okay, I need to go through and clean this out? 60. 60? Six zero. Six zero. But even that I clear out because I don't want to miss any any emails. 
That's not. I swear, I'm like at twenty five hundred right now. And I I'm have like, like I have a, like a compulsive disorder when it comes to that, where I I have to clear it out. I have to make sure I re read it, I responded, I labeled it. I have so many labels. Yeah, yeah. organization. So for someone like me, or for people listening who are just terrible with that, what systems do you recommend just to like organize your life? I would say like I'm five out of ten when it comes to organizing my life. I would say you top end nine nine and a half like consistently you know putting up like triple doubles every night so yeah, i feel like <laughs> i'm setting the bar here. <laughs> <laughs> is... um i mean i would say just take 30 minutes block out 30 minutes to just go through it you're not going to go over go through 2000 emails in one day yeah. but if you budgeted 30 minutes to go through and just clean up what you need what you don't need and also yeah. label your emails. I have labels for everything. So if I need to go and check my Start Lighthouse emails, I can just immediately go into that label and see what was the recent yeah. correspondence that I sent out. This is a very efficient way of doing it. I don't even know what the labels are, but I'm going to go take a look now after the podcast is done recording. Um, yeah, it'll be good for you. <laughs> <laughs> carve out half an hour. You, uh, you had mentioned that you believe like people are put on the earth for a purpose mm -hmm. and you are and you also believe that people are destined to meet each other yeah you remember how we met <laughs> Great I, think we, I think we met freshman year but we met freshman year when we were about to go to a halloween party so we had mutual friends i mm -hmm. lived in a completely different dorm i was in Brittany hall which mm -hmm. was just so terrible and shitty. And then everyone yeah. else was in Weinstein. So mm -hmm. I just remember I came over in Weinstein and we were about to hit an 18 plus party freshman year. <laughs> and I believe I was dressed up in my Lady Gaga costume. I don't remember what you were. Was, was Poker Face like the high, the number one song during that year? I want to say 2010. Sounds I wouldn't be surprised. I was such a huge Lady, Lady Gaga stan, so. Yeah. But yeah, I remember we met outside of Weinstein and then we went to the 18 plus parties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, that's the thing. I remember when we went to, uh, to Port Morris and we had distributed some of the books to the children in the classroom. And when you were talking to them, the principal, Principal Keen, who you had mentioned earlier, she had come by and she's like, yeah, and they've known each other for a very long time. I was like, yeah, we've known each other for like over a decade. Yeah, it's <laughs> so crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> and but, I mean, that just goes to show that people do come in your life for a reason. And you just never know um, who's supposed to like come along with you for like a specific part of your journey. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because like, Admittedly, because especially during college, was, like we did have a lot of mutual friends, but we didn't get to hang out as much as we have in the last couple of years now. Because like you said, and I do believe that there are people who come and go and some people are there and some people just can't be. But it's and it's nice to have that community. I really enjoyed getting to see like your work ethic. You and one of my other friends, Ma, like again, just world class when it comes to work ethic. Like really? I don't have Oh, wow, you've never told me that before. You've no, never said that to me. I've never said that before. No, you and her are, and my sister, I feel like, are three people that are just, like, at the top tier end of work ethic. Like, just incredible. I watch it, and I'm just like, 
never in a million years am I gonna have this, right? Like I work focused for like short bursts at a time. And then I'm just like, all right, time to take a break and like dick around on TikTok for like an hour. I mean, like, I do that too. So <laughs> don't let the narrative like fool you. I do that too. <laughs> but that being said, I realized that for something like this, you have to make sacrifices. And I do, yeah. I do make sacrifices. There have been weekends where I've stayed in and I've mm-hmm. worked on this. I've had Brittany on the other call and she's in Middletown and we both have just been working on Start Lighthouse, working through yeah. our website. Or if I have an idea and I need to like, talk through it, I just pick up the phone and I call her. And mm-hmm. I've realized that unless you put in the work, no one's going to do it for you and no one is also going to care as much as you do about Mm -hmm. the idea there will be people that will help you along your journey but if you're not going to do the work who's going to do it that's a really good point that's a really good point and i remember like pre-pandemic when our our social calendars were like packed to the brim right especially being mid-20s in in new york and going to college here and having a big friend group still here there's a lot of things like people would invite me to and I'd feel a little bit guilty saying no, like I can't come because I'm busy with work or I'm busy. Yeah, with I mean, I always said yes, too. And I, yeah. I've had a hard time saying no, but that's something that I've gotten better at doing because sometimes I just need to protect my own mental health and space. Yeah, and and mental I health. will always choose myself because I've spent a lot of time always putting other people first, but this is the first time where I want to put myself and my goals and my dreams first. Yeah, no, as, as you should. And that's the one thing I've also been, and I still have a bad habit of doing it where I'll pack like a whole Saturday with, or even today with like six, seven things. And there's only 24 hours in the day. Mm -hmm. Even then it's like, yeah, just saying, no, I can't. And not because I don't want to spend time with you because I need to focus on something else. And then, you know, a, a good friend, a, a better friend will be like, I understand. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to take it personal that you said no. I understand that I can help support in any way. Yeah, I feel that. That's, uh, it's nice to have that freedom to do that, I guess. So. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's easier now that we're older. I just feel as though when I was younger, I didn't know what I wanted or what I was looking for. Or where mm. I was headed. And I think also going to grad school helped me get that clarity, helped mm. me get that perspective as to where I'm headed from here. Do you think that if you had went to grad school in New York, because you had gone to grad school outside, mm-hmm. do you think that if you stayed in New York when you went to grad school, that, that you wouldn't have been able to learn that, essentially, or recognize that? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that I needed to go and leave the city and I left for a little over a year but it was probably the best thing that I could have done for myself because I made three remarkable best friends from that experience um one of whom who was actually part of the founding team for the mm-hmm. organization SNCDA and I just met so many incredible people and just faculty too that really inspired me and helped mm-hmm. me become who I am today and also, I had the opportunity to live alone too for the first time. That's a good point. Yeah. And that was really that was really good for me. I, I needed that just because I had the luxury of living with my two best friends for mm-hmm. the past decade now. Yeah. Um, one of whom I'm still living with. So I've been really mm-hmm. lucky to have that bubble. But in Philly, I was starting fresh. I was starting alone mm-hmm. and. 
I think being by myself and just also getting the opportunity to connect with people that were so passionate about this field and what they were doing and that were just so remarkably um, gifted and just had so many experiences that I could learn from. I never yeah. thought I would get that opportunity. And I'm sure I could have found that out of school in New York because I did get into schools in New York. But mm-hmm. for me, it felt as though it was just time to leave for a little bit. Yeah. No, you're right. And eventually you found yourself back here. But even then, living by yourself, you learn so much about yourself and who you are and what what you're what you prioritize because you have to like you said it's all it's up to you at the end of the day like if if you're hungry you need to find a you need to find a way to eat and you have to you gotta figure out your schedule and they still wanted to be able to socialize and hang out with my Mm -hmm. new friends from grad school but then there were times where I knew I had to buckle down and I had to get home and get work done so I think maybe having Mm -hmm. that kind of mindsets kind of carried me through even now where there's times where I know I need to get work done. So I'm, I'm going to get it yeah. done. I'm not going to like go out because I know I want to get this done. Mm-hmm. So it's just about wh- what you prioritize. Did you always know that you would be in the education sphere? And I asked this very pointedly for a reason because. Yeah, you I mean, I think to some degree. So I've always had this in me where I wanted to save the world. I, I really genuinely have always been and a really empathetic person. I've always just mm-hmm. wanted to take care of others and just help no. wherever I could. So for the longest time, I thought I would end up in global affairs. I, in high school, I created my own club and it was called Global Awareness Organization. And we wanted okay. to cultivate a space for me and my peers to come together to have conversations about what was happening in the world and then to be able to actually take action, right? So to take on corresponding charitable projects. Mm -hmm. So at the time we ran an entire school supply drive and I assembled school supply kits for children in Iraq who were affected by the Iraqi war. Mid to late 2000s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I did that. Um, I also um, did some microfinancing projects. Mm-hmm. We talked about Gaza. We also did a letter writing campaign um, regarding what was taking place in Darfur. We also had the earthquake that took place in yeah. Haiti, and we led an entire fundraising campaign around that. So I always had that in me. Um, yeah. And I always wanted to be able to make an impact, but I think I was always thinking about it from a global perspective. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I graduated from college and then I was working on a local scale and they ultimately stepped into classroom. And that's mm-hmm. when I realized this is my calling. This is, mm-hmm. this is what I'm supposed to do. Maybe not be a teacher lifelong, but still make my dent in education. Yeah. And it's the most impactful way. And also I've seen how, like when you've done the book readings, both virtually and in person and also like around kids, there's a certain, there's a certain way around them. Like I do refereeing of like kids of the similar age at that level, it's a very different relationship because you know, it's mostly me and the coaches just having antagonism towards each other. <laughs> the the players are fine. They're all very, but it's very different though when you're like trying to provide them with that, trying to be in that sphere to in order to help teach them about things, which in the context of, as you had mentioned, the racial justice program, these are things that are 
you know, some people like it's really difficult to have that conversation. In last week's podcast, uh, or was it last week? A couple weeks ago, my friend Nate and I were talking and he was like, yeah, at his work, one of his bosses like organized a call after, to talk about racial justice. But he was, and she started off the call by saying, yeah, I'm having trouble having this conversation with my son who's like seven. And I was like, well, if you can't have this conversation with your son who's seven, knowing fully well that you've done it, Rita, then how you want to? How do you want to have this conversation with adults? <laughs> like that's just not. It's just not really like fair, and it's also not going to change much. In at least that was like the pessimistic side of me thinking that. But then you know the optimism comes in. It's like okay, well maybe this might be a good avenue for people. Mm-hmm. So how so how does that work? Like when it comes to having difficult conversations with kids, with younger kids. Well, I think we found that you can have difficult conversations by leveraging the power of literature, right? So our entire racial justice literacy program is focused on multicultural literature. And we're using these stories, these BIPOC protagonists who share these experiences. And through these stories, it serves as an entry point for discussion and for students to actually have these conversations and to reflect on their own lived experiences, whether they've seen someone in their family be affected by this, or if they've seen something on TV or heard something from a relative, they have those experiences to draw upon. And we recently had one student actually write a letter to Mayor de Blasio. And I have to read some of what she said, if that's okay. Because I thought it was so impactful. She said, this is an issue we should really stop, racism. Many people are dying because of their race, and it's not fair if someone with a different skin color can live and others can't. We were born this way, and we can't change it, except for us for who we are. Black people don't deserve to be treated like this. We're humans, too. Some cops think Black people does a crime when it's not true especially when this guy named George Floyd was choked during the rest. And he said multiple times, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And that so-called of a cop didn't listen to that poor man. Luckily, this kind person took a video of the cop choking him. And the cop mm-hmm. name was Derek Chauvin, which he got arrested because that woman did the right thing by recording it. And whoever she recorded, he got arrested, which is good. That was terrible. Also, this lady named Rosa Parks fought for her own rights just because she can't sit in the front of a bus. Someone told her to move from the front seat and she replied that she won't move. And that man told her many times and she didn't listen. So that man told the bus driver and he told her to move. And again, she didn't move. So the bus driver had to call the police and she got arrested. Back then the civil rights were so wrong because of people's races. This is something you should really fix. The world is turning into complete crisis. Nobody can deal with this world. People don't even care. Please stop this crisis. People just want to be free. We need justice. We need freedom. But we can never get it because of these people. No Mm -hmm. justice, no peace. And this is a 10-year-old that took everything that she learned from our program and wrote this letter for Meredith Lazio. And I also love how the program doesn't like you look at traditional American curriculum, especially with history, and it's heavily sanitized, like heavily reduced to maybe a chapter, a couple bullet points, 
everything from the perspective of the colonizers. Yeah, which is also incredibly problematic. Um, has has something in? Yeah, as I had, so I've experienced a few, I guess, microaggressions in my life, yeah. and I never knew what the name for it was. But mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I had friends that were majority of them were white, and mm-hmm. uh, when it was prom season and everyone was getting spray tans, they would come up mm-hmm. to me and try to compare my skin to theirs. And I would, in my head, I'm like, oh, don't do it, don't do it. But then it would happen. And they would say, look, I'm almost as dark as you. Mm. And I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know what to call that because I didn't think they were trying to be mean to me. They were my friends, but it also felt like a strange thing to say. So that was something that I encountered when I was in high school. And then when I was teaching during my first year of teaching, when I was working alongside a colleague and he kept mixing up my name and another teacher's name because we were both the only Indian women Mm. in the classroom and that was something that the kids started noticing and then the kids would start doing that and this colleague was white but the kids started noticing that yeah and they saw that I also wasn't actively addressing it because he would just apologize after it happened but continuously happened throughout the duration of the year (laughs) so that was also something that was problematic um and then I remember there was one instance where I was I think I was still at college so I was still in NYU and it was visiting my brother who used to live in Soho at the time and he sent me Mm -hmm. to Whole Foods to run some errands for him and I thought this woman wasn't in line so I just proceeded to get in front of her and mm-hmm. so she got really upset about that and she started to curse me out. And then she made a reference and said, oh, this must be an Indian thing, which I didn't really know where, <laughs> what that could potentially allude to. But she said that and she was still going at it to the point where security had to step in. But I wasn't even mm-hmm. getting confrontational with her, but security stepped in and it was a black man who and then walking me back to my brother's place and he was telling he was apologizing to me that this situation happened it was you know telling me that woman was psychotic but he also told me that this is something that i deal with on a daily basis mm-hmm. yeah thank you for sharing i appreciate that it's- yeah i think it's really important to be honest about these experiences is, right because sure like even if we've processed it by ourselves or even if we haven't there's other people out there that are listening they can you know always reach out they can also yeah, understand- and i realized that like those things weren't okay for people to say yeah. and do but i never i never realized that it took it took me i would say <laughs> until two years ago to have that awakening but it took me yeah years ago right so I was going through that entire period of life not realizing that these things weren't acceptable yeah well a hundred percent and that's the thing because we all as we all get older like as we all grow up through adulthood it's a new chapter a new venture for us and like you said as we're figuring out our place in the world as we're figuring out what we like what we're passionate about what we want to do we also unfortunately have the or I guess fortunately as well but we have the 
consideration that we are living in our own bodies, which are not the standard traditional based on, you know, Eurocentric older models. So therefore, because we look different, we are treated differently. And that's, I'm shocked that that happened. Is this, I don't, you don't need to mention which place was it. Was this at the previous school that you worked on? The work thing? It was when I was teaching 10th grade English. So my first year teaching. Wow. That's fucked, Rena. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Shit. Damn. Thank you again for sharing. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's like we said, we have to be honest about these conversations because someone else might have gone through something similar and just didn't realize what that was. That's true. That's true. What's something that you're looking forward to? Like May 2022, everything's, you know. There's a few things I'm looking forward to. One of them being is that, as I mentioned, I'm in the accelerator program Mm -hmm. and we have demo day coming up which is an opportunity for all the entrepreneurs that are in the program to pitch their venture to receive 10K. So only one person is selected, but I'm really looking forward to just having that opportunity to be part of that competition. And the next thing that I'm looking forward to is just having our in-person distribution events. I just think back to being able to interact with the students and families and just telling them about Story Lighthouse. And I felt so broken and tired that day just because of how long that day was and just being in the heat. But I was just so, so happy and so moved by a lot of the conversations that I had. So I'm just excited just to be able to be in front of them again, because I think that was really wonderful. And then finally, Danielle, the principal of PS5, is going to be hosting a graduation ceremony for some of her students. And okay. some of those students actually participated in our racial justice literacy program. And so she's created her own woke award based off of our program. And she's going to be giving it out to one of those students. Do you know, do you know, like, real talk aside, do you know which student's getting it? Like, yeah, yeah, I know. And the student's absolutely wonderful and just so, so engaged. And yeah, you can just tell that student's going to make an impact. I I think I have an idea which student is as well, because I remember, I'm not going to use a, I remember them being very engaged with the conversation and being able to make a lot of, it was in Miss Santiago's class. Okay. All right. I yeah, think you already know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they were really good. And I remember, I think I messaged you because you weren't able to join that day or something. I think I messaged you on WhatsApp, like, man, these kids, like, they're the way they're talking about identity and representation and all, like, they got their, they know what they're talking about. And they're saying it in such a better way than I probably ever could. It's crazy. It's crazy how good they are. Yeah. That's also, I also think in terms of the accelerator, which you had brought up, it's also demo day is a really good opportunity to showcase to other possible investors, um, you know, like not just accelerators, but also like individual investors who are looking for new projects and new concepts and new ideas to help channel. Because especially now, I think a lot of people are looking to see what they can provide an impetus for, whether that's like, you know, financial or connections or something like that so that's really okay. exciting very excited when is the day um i believe it's on 
June 17th. So. Okay. Nice. So in about a month. Yeah, which is crazy. I still have to <laughs> really go through our pitch deck and just yeah, make sure that everything is ready to go. Of course, the standard. That's what that's what happens when you're like the leader and the contact person for anything and everything related to an organization. Like you are the you are the de facto head. And so you it's your approval and your thought processes that are I mean, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. And, you know, I've had breakdowns in between. <laughs> but that being said, I know that I have a greater purpose and I have to keep going. Yeah. And what I, I also wanted to bring this up briefly as well. You, I, Because I was thinking about you earlier today when we were cleaning out some stuff in my sister's room. We had found some stuff from high school, from college. You had mentioned to me about a um, something that you had found when you were back home from high school. And it was talking about you in the context of being in the classroom and being a teacher. Do you remember the, the story you shared with me? Can you tell it? I actually don't remember. Yeah. So um, earlier in the podcast, you had mentioned about the activism that you had done on a global level. Um, and then also, I think it was probably when you were first back home, like after the start of the pandemic in like March, April around, I think I dropped you off at the airport or something like that. And I remember you had got back and you were saying how you had found something from one of, no. So you had gotten back and one of your teachers had reached out to you saying, it was something that they, one of your teachers had written for like probably your senior year book or something like that, said how you were going to change the world and like how, as a leader. And there's very different types of leaders, right? There's, there's leaders that lead from the front, leaders that lead from the back, leaders that are just through their stature and their presence. But I think the best kind of leaders are ones that can do all three. And I, and I know that I've seen you like whenever we've worked together or you know, had our calls together and stuff for the nonprofit, for other things. And the way that you do that, you are an incredible leader. And it's very, it makes people want to follow a leader like that, a leader like yours. So I'm very, I'm very appreciative of the time that I got to spend with Starlight. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) That's so sweet. Thank you. No problem. You also said really nice things about me earlier. So I wanted to make sure to (laughs) make sure you pay it forward. I love that. For sure. Straight back to you. Yeah, what's your what's your favorite memory of us hanging out? So my favorite memory is yeah. actually when we were all at Izu and <laughs> I was getting really irritated with Kush Shavia because uh-huh. he kept getting on your shoulders and yeah. getting a better view and also uh-huh. being five three, I obviously couldn't see shit. So I was getting really <laughs> irritated and I remember like tapping you and telling you to pick me up instead (laughs) to put him down and I remember doing this repeatedly do you remember that I do remember this yeah I was (laughs) I figured that was the story we were gonna like I just just remember being like pages put him down (laughs) (laughs) we recreated that recently I put him on my shoulders just for a laugh. It was he and his uh he and his girlfriend came to New York mm-hmm. and he wanted he wanted to go for like um 
she wanted to go have like a brunch with the boys and introduce introduce her to all of us. But then the night before, I was like, "Hey, Kush, what are you doing?" Because I don't know if I want to. Because like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to spend as much time with you guys at brunch as I would like to. And he's like, "Well, you can come over and hang out with uh, me and her friends." So I was like, "Okay, I'll go." And uh, yeah, and we ended up having some white claw together. And then I put him on my shoulders as the music was playing. It's like, oh, so, yeah, it's very. It was very. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds it. like a moment. I love it. It is okay. It was fine because it wasn't anything like Izu, but you know, you can't can't really have that now. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite moments. The other one is when we met again in January of last year, and we mm -hmm. were just having coffee and tea, and I was just talking yeah. through just my ideas, and you were just. Yeah talking about okay let's go <laughs> yeah i mean that's the one thing that when you know how much i appreciate Brittany as well and the way that she is just like okay you know not everything needs to be perfect you can't plan everything out and i've learned that over the last year and a half as well but it's kind of like sometimes you just gotta go and you know as the chips fall you do need a like a good leader is also a good problem solver which i know you are and so it's like you're able to, as the problems come up, how you deal with them and solve them and communicate those. That's also incredibly important. And I like how she's like, let's just start running with she's this. She's really good about that. And I think she just also just has great leadership ability. You know, just given her time in, in the army and just her managing mm -hmm. her cadets too. I think I've learned a lot. She's probably taught me more than I've been able to teach her whether or not she realizes that. Because I don't think she probably gives herself enough credit, but I think that right. she is very core to who I yeah. am as a person. Uh, like Start Lighthouse aside, I just think I'm really blessed to have someone like her in my life. I want to have her on the podcast as well. I haven't asked her yet, but you I should. want. Oh, she'll be so excited. I know that like this month is crazy for her, but once she settled into her place in June, you should just at least mm -hmm. put it on the calendar. She'll make time for it because she always loves talking to you. Yeah, it's really nice talking there too. I think also because we all grew up as like people with cultures that were not the dominant culture in the area we were living in. Mm -hmm. It made it a little bit like you have to learn how to adjust and like kind of almost blend in and then there comes a time period where like i'm tired of blending in let me be who i want to be and other people will just have to you know deal with that yeah so, <laughs> right but and then that that's that part of that reawakening i mean yeah and which i know we've talked about at length too how um how can people engage with you online if people want to know more if they have if they have ideations i think you mentioned before but i, I mean just you can follow us at start lighthouse you can mm -hmm. send me an email irina madani at gmail.com i obviously check my inbox <laughs> compulsively to keep my count low so if you want to send me an email i will respond in real time mm -hmm. um, but yeah you can just reach out to us on social media or email and we're always looking for like-minded people to join us. Love it. And last last thought, what do you think of our last question? Uh, just final thoughts, I guess, so to speak. It might be a new segment, something completely unrelated, 
but what do you think about the um, Kardashian show ending after 20 seasons? Oh, I'm so happy you asked me that. Yeah? yeah. I mean... That wasn't on the brief that I shared with you earlier. Yeah, I think I genuinely think it was time. Part of the appeal mm-hmm. for the show was that it existed before social media was able to report on what they were doing in real time. So I felt mm-hmm. like I got this insider perspective into their lives. But now yeah. when I look at the show, I don't really enjoy the show as much because a lot of storylines are often fabricated. So mm-hmm. the producers will go through the footage that they have, but sometimes they'll reshoot scenes. Yeah. Or some scenes are added, like from like you have footage from February, but then they're reshooting a scene in April and they piece it together as like one plot line. Yeah. And so it doesn't really make that much sense to me. So I think it was probably the right move for them to end the show. But now they're going to be on Hulu. I don't know what that looks like. But I still think we'll still get some real-time content from them to some degree. But yeah, I just didn't like how fabricated the show was. Because then it just made me feel as though none of it was ever that real. Yeah. No, I I agree with that. I also had that same feeling with Matt James in the last season of the in the most recent season of The Bachelor, I felt like they were just editing him out of it, which was kind of annoying because I wanted to know him. I wanted to know he's the first, like when you talk about representation, at least be fair in the representation. Don't just edit him out so that he seems like a robot um, who doesn't have feelings and then introduce feelings in the last episode. It didn't click with me. Mm-hmm. Like the after the rose stuff that he had done, I was like, this is the most personality I've seen from him ever. And then I was like, wait, they edited out the personality. That's why. And that's kind of disappointing. Because you wouldn't just want like a box cutter, like a cookie cut kind of thing. But anyway, yeah, they're back together again. So I also Oh, they are? Them. Well, that's annoying. Yeah. Okay. So I'm disappointed. And that's going to be fun. Uh- <laughs> yeah. But this was really lovely. Thank you so much for... No, thank you for joining and being my guest. I really appreciate it, especially with the changes in schedule and everything this week. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to visit at Star Lighthouse on your preferred social media platform. One in four children in the U.S. grow up without learning to read. Show support for their innovative racial justice literacy program and at their next literacy distribution kit by joining the discussion online about how we can address childhood illiteracy.